It was a big win by the Bulldogs last week against the West Tigers. 18 points to 16 over the eighth-place team. We'll talk more about that and more later in this episode, episode five of the NRL Bulldogs Fan Podcast. I'm Matt. Scott's here. How you doing, Scott? Oh, I'm going very well. How are you, Matthew? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, good game on the weekend. Oh, entertaining game. It went down to the wire. A little bit too... I was very nervous, but uh, good to hear you. out there at then. Oh, it was a cool one. <laughs> it was very cold. It was laid up in four different layers. Yeah. We were there as always. Dogs got away from 18 points to 16 wins. And I guess the big story, one of the big picks coming out of that game was the uh, the Bulldogs' reaction to the misconversion at the end, Scott. Yeah, so it was a, um, a nice touching moment. Uh, something uh, you, you could forgive them for not doing anything about it after they've won a game. But uh, it was good to see a good sportsmanship by the majority of the Bulldogs players. Yeah, Josh Jackson led his team over to Paul Moborowski, who, part time goal kicker, missed a couple of goals, but he scored two tries. So he was, he was a reason loud back in it, the West Tigers, and uh, picked him up off the ground in the staff room, which is great to see. Very, very wonderful to see. Very good. While, while we're talking about Scott, it's, uh, it's made news in America, hasn't it? There's a US reporter. Yes, there's a America. Yeah, the US reporter tweeting about it, uh, about the sportsmanship coming from this game. And I've got the tweet up now. If uh, you want me to quote it. Yep. When a backup goal, uh, when a backup kicker missed the game-winning goal in rugby, the entire opposing team came to console console him. Sports equals great. Sportsmanship even greater. It hit eight thousand view over eight thousand views on Twitter, receiving forty eight retweets, two hundred and fifty two likes. It's pretty good too. This week in the USA, they've got their grand final week, so good to have a mainstream reporter talking about rugby league in the same week as the USA RL grand final. But um, overall, for the game, Scott, how did you see it going? Oh, it looked like one of those. Uh... Games where um, we had nothing in attack in the first half, it felt like we couldn't score a try even if we tried. And then the second half, we were a different outfit in the attack. Uh, we looked um, threatening. We looked exciting. I mean, it could have been because of the Tigers' two injuries early in the first half, what caused a massive reshuffle and players playing longer minutes. But uh, I didn't see us coming back like that. And I didn't, when we were in the lead, I thought we would have just sealed it off. It was just ebbed and flowed in the second half. Yeah, it was, old, it was the old cliche, wasn't it? A game of two halves. First half was quite disappointing um, from a Bulldogs perspective. Uh, we were by no means out of it, though, at halftime. Uh, but it did feel like uh, one of those days. However, it kind of uh, very similar to the game against Penrith. Second half, Kings, the Bulldogs. Mm. <laughs> and uh, ran away with uh, three quick tries. Uh, one very lucky one with the try assist coming from Benji Marshall for Nick Mealy. Uh, that was the much winning, much winning try. It turned out was Tigers a late flurry after, well, the biggest talking point out of the game, the late hit Sinbin of Chris Smith. Mm, yes. So how did you see how did you see that one, Scotty? Chris Smith being oh, Sinbin. It shouldn't have been a penalty. He shouldn't even been found guilty. It should have just been play on at the time. The assistant referee picked it up, I believe, and made the bucket check because the lead referee was still running with the 
play. It was until the tackle was made, they went back to it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think maybe even the bunker. Might have... Yeah, I think the bunker did, but I think the, the assistant referee didn't move from the spot. Right. He saw it happen, and then the, everyone else followed it uh, until the tackle was made. But um, I think Ryan Madison milked it for what it was worth. <laughs> put the tigers back. He was fine. He was not even. He jumped straight to his feet once he got the uh, the penalty. So uh, he was fine. Um, I think. Yeah, I think he, he. I think he saw the crackdown and saw a potential to get someone sin bin to. Uh, it was the last seven minutes or so. So it was. Yeah. Whole game finished. Yeah, so, that, uh, that Sydney was definitely a uh, bullshit call. Uh, we'll get into more of that later in the episode. But for now, I think it's time for uh, what's happening at Belmore. Yes, it's what's happening. What's happening at Belmore? Uh, we'll start off with the uh, Dean Britt signs two years with the Bulldogs starting in 2020. The Son of Dar- former Bulldog Darren, current South Sydney Rabbitohs Dean. He's been playing a lot of top grade this season. He's now coming, I suppose, where his heart is back to the Bulldogs. Well, you hope so. Uh, yeah, he's no, as a good kid, developing, you... good developing edge forward, Dean Britt. Uh, it'd be good to have him back at the club and the a familiar name for the family club. Oh, uh, just, there's a photo of him going on social media, him in a Bulldogs jersey as a kid. So. But, might yep. have been might have been a no-brainer waiting for the club to offer him a deal. Coming over might have been something he said yes before even negotiating. So Chris has been charged with the uh, been charged with the late hit against Ryan Madison and taking the early guilty plea. How's so, that? Look? Well, I was actually disappointed in the club's stance here. I think they should have uh, took the charge on, even though he's the early guilty plea means he doesn't miss a match. But Chris shouldn't even got marked for it even sin bin for it, let alone potentially being charged or well, he's charged with it and he should the club should have took it to the judiciary and had a fight. I would have liked to have seen that happen. Well it depends on um, what what the club knows about what's happening in the game that maybe the average fan doesn't know. Uh, they are trying to stamp out those hits where someone comes out of the line. And I've heard a few commentators in and around the game say that the reason these are being penalised is that they, the game, the NRL, wants to get rid of players coming out of the line and putting a hit on players. So if that's the case, maybe the Bulldogs believe that there was no point in challenging it because no matter what they said or did, uh, it would have been guilty, perhaps. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, These late hits have gone one way too far. Well, we'll talk about that later. Um, continuing on with what's happening at Belmore, the Bulldogs have gone cold on Herman SESI. Yeah, so... He played some game twice previously. So, yeah, he was reports that he was going to sign, and there was other reports saying he even did a medical, but there's something about he wants a longer-term deal. Uh, the Bulldogs are not willing to offer him the longer-term deal. So, it's interesting, or is there more at it than what it is? Well, what so, I... We, it's like... With oh, the starting Dean Britt in the pack and uh, the amount of players that we have in the pack, that they're putting their, uh, the dogs is looking at uh, more uh, positions that we deem more important. So, I, wonder, I wonder if uh, uh, if they listened to the podcast last week and said, we said we voted no. <laughs> Just curious on that one. If they, yeah. so the recruitment was, or Dean, uh, Dean Pay listening. Dean and Pay if you are listening, Dean. Come on the show. <laughs> uh, 
so River Smith will play his 100th club game this weekend. A big achievement, playing 100 club games. He did have a serious ankle injury a few years ago, or leg, leg, leg injury, lower leg injury a few years ago where they had to actually cancel, oh, well, call the New South Cup game early for the uh, Eagles to get on the field against the uh, Dragons in Wollongong. So uh, there was times maybe it looked like he wouldn't get to a milestone like this, but congratulations to him. He's been a prolific try scorer this season. And Raymond Catala Mariners plays 50th NRL game for the club. Yeah, he's back on the side, given another chance, and he's hits the milestone. Game 50 in the NRL for the Bulldogs. That's right. So that's what's happening at Belmore. It's last week review time, and uh, we did speak about it a little bit at the top of the show. Bulldogs defeating the West Tigers 18-16 at AZ Stadium in front of 9,636 people. Uh, Scotty, do you want to go for the scores? Yeah, I'll start with the winning side. And- Josh Jackson scored the Bulldogs' first try in the second half, 42nd minute. Jerry Marshall King got over uh, in the 47th minute. Nick Meany in the 53rd minute. Nick Meany converted all the goals three from three. For the West Tigers, Paul Mogorowski in the 7th minute, end of the 72nd minute. So he got a double. Luke Gardner in the 78th. One from three for Paul Mogorowski and one from two in the penalty goal. Yeah. So conversions... We came down to bite the West Tigers last game. Turned out to be a tight game. Uh, some good performers out there, though. Dallin would tell you to oh, yeah. ran for 105 metres. Nick Meany ran for 142, but that includes the, the 80 metre sprint for a try. Hopper Whitey was good again with 139 metres. Reba Smith, one metre short of 100 metres. And then in the pack, uh, Dylan Napa and Aidan Tolman, 129 and 128 metres, respectively. Josh Jackson led the way out there for the club, 110 metres himself. And then uh, Marshall King, 27 tackles off the bench. Quite an effort there. Anything standing out to you there, Scott? Sorry, say that again. Anything standing out for you? Oh, it was, it was um, how fast Nick Meany was. <laughs> yeah, we finally got he the caught the ball and went flying down the field. There was no one ever in doubt stopping him. No one was ever going to get close to it. Well, we, we always knew how, how fast he was. It's just that we haven't really had a chance to see him in the NRL, so that was good to see. Yeah, it was really good to see how he just blitzed everyone. Even support players couldn't keep up with him. Yeah, and after being um, a bit of a try-scoring drought, Nick Meany's got two in a couple of weeks now. Yeah, so we can't stop scoring them and... Uh, I think Dean Pace said in the post game that he's taken the uh, the move to the wing very positively, and he's always looked to improve himself. And he's actually enjoying the actual wing position. Yeah, he's so, a very nice, very nice guy too. Nick Meany had a bit of a talk to him after the game. It's good to uh, good to meet him, um, Scotty. Do you have a man of the match for this week? I'm gonna go. Um, I'm going with the same man last week. I'm going Jack Cogger for two in a row. Jack Cogger two in a row. Okay. Why? 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 Uh, when we looked like nothing was happening in the second half, he gave Josh Jackson a beautiful ball. What saw him crossover for the first try. If you remember the second try, which was Jerry Marshall King's try. Jack Cogger again almost gave Josh Jackson another try assist. It was only for the last ditch tackle. So another. So he's got a few line break assists. He should have had two try assists. It was just the last ditch effort. That's what saw Jerry Marshall King come out of dummy half and score. was the good play before. And it just had Jack Cogger all over. Those two tries had Jack Cogger. And without yeah. him, it looks like we don't score. 
Fair enough. I disagree. I'm going to go with Josh Jackson this week. 40 tackles, 110 metres. Uh, he he really led the boys, particularly in that second half. He just took the game by the scruff of the neck, told the boys to follow him, and I think he was the game-turner. Yeah, he was very inspiring, Josh Jackson. You could tell. Uh, the real captain was, performance. He was, he was the captain. If you uh, probably ask uh, someone who didn't know much about or maybe not, maybe a Super League fan who didn't know much about the NRL, asked who the captain was, and I think they would have been pointing at Josh Jackson with his yeah. performance on the weekend. He really led that team forward. Uh, we're going to jump into Pup Watch, Scotty. Yeah, we'll jump into Pup Watch. Uh, we'll look at the Jersey flag results first. Uh, unfortunately for the Bulldogs, they went down to the West Tigers in the Jersey flag at Belmore, which was on Saturday at Belmore Sports Ground. The West Tigers won 24-14. Halftime, the West Tigers were leading 14-4. It was a disappointing loss because the Bulldogs are now sitting in fifth, that would have been a good opportunity to lock in a top four spot, and the West Tigers keep their season alive. So the West Tigers were outside the eight, so that's a disappointing loss, especially lately the Bulldogs have, uh, pardon me, winning a, a lot of the big games. Maybe it was the wind, because it was very windy. Um, they might have been struggling with the wind at Belmore, especially in a part, like more of a suburban ground. Sort of played more of a part in the game. Um, in the Canterbury Cup, and another unfortunate Lost for the Bulldogs with the Mounties winning 26-14. The Mounties were up 14-10. Another, it was uh, a great day for our reserve grades. Well, actually, the Mounties played on, uh, the, sorry, the Bulldogs played on Sunday against the Mounties actually at Blacktown. Yeah. Was Blacktown. Yeah, so um, disappointing. Uh, um, well, the cow paddock, there was uh, dead grass and lack of stands and it made Brookvale look like uh, the Taj Mahal. Oh, Jesus. It was a terrible feel. Uh, quite frankly, it was. I don't believe that that is a New South Wales State Cup quality standard. So Blacktown need to find a new home ground. Oh, that wow. Ridiculous. Cool. It was absolutely... We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'll just, I'll just quickly run through the Mounties and Bulldogs uh, sheet here for those listening. Haley Smith Shields for this is the Mounties scored. Sebastian Chris scored. He actually scored his first NRL try against the Bulldogs when uh, they're versing the Raiders. Uh, Jarrett Boland in the 38th minute, Hudson Young in the 51, and Tom Stunn in the 67. They were three. Sam Williams converted three from five. And for the Bulldogs, to, uh, Matifa Ifo in the 24th minute. Connolly Lanalua in the 29th minute and Jake Avaro, who was actually uh, playing in the New South Cup, scored in the 79th minute. And Jake Avaro was one from three in the boot. Really? Oh, yes. Uh, good idea. Oh, really? Oh, sorry. Avaro. I don't know why. Really? Oh, he actually played on the wing and he was playing halfback for Jersey Flake. He was our pop. He was our pop to watch last weekend of Jersey Flake. Uh, he had a pretty good game. Uh, he, he showed up. The wing. He showed up. Uh, Josh, McC- no, sorry, not Sam Williams. Showed up Sam Williams for pace, and when he got into any space, he really took off. He was clearly the fastest player on that field. So I think uh, wing fullback is where you'll be looking at him playing in the future. Yeah, well, it was just bizarre. he came in for John Olive. He's playing a halfback one. Comes in for John Olive in the next week. Yeah, it was different grades and uh, different types oh, of yeah, games. Just obviously, he might be able to read the game well. Uh, that's why he could play halfback to Jersey Flag, but he's speed and pace. He'll definitely be a fullback or a winger, if you ask me, going forward. 
He looks good out there. He looks comfortable. So maybe Jake Avilio is uh, one to watch. Yeah, he is definitely one to watch, which we mentioned last time. Um, he's, uh, yeah, it looks like a, uh, a potential star in the making, killing it in Jersey flag and then bringing you up to the next level. Some players struggle with that. And he's when he's uh, capable of obviously qualifying. And for him to put, they put him on the uh, on the wing for John Olive. I spoke about um, the Bulldogs don't. Uh, they at least they get an NRL quality player in John Olive back, and he's been dropped. He's been dropped again for him. Yeah. Okay. So, Who you've got for this week's Canterbury Cup Pup Watch? Canterbury Cup Pup Watch has gone back to a former winner. Simon Brown wins it this week again. He's around 132 metres with the ball. He does a lot of running. He's got 15 runs, two try assists, and two line breakers assist. And he made 20 tackles with an almost 91% tackle efficiency. Yeah, one of those uh, try assists was a right to left cutout ball to the wing that. Uh, Put his player over, put the winger over in the corner and get up against low defence was quite impressive. Good on for Armu Brown. Next week's preview uh, up next for the Bulldogs, we've got the South Sydney Rabbitohs in all three grades, all at ANZ on Saturday. So uh, get out there early, support the boys. Two blockbusters in the uh, lower grade, Scotty. Uh, Jersey Flag and Canterbury Cup. Yeah. But- yeah, the Jersey Flag third. third- First, fifth, a very important game for the Bulldogs to get back in that top four after the surprise shock loss against the West Tigers. They'll be looking to bounce back. They've already beaten quality teams like Sharks and Jersey Flags and Drew with the Panthers, so I'm sure they'll be looking to bounce back in this in this game. And even you could say even better in the Canterbury Cup, South Sydney, who are coming first, are versing the Bulldogs who are first. So. So two blockbusters leading us up to the NRL game. That's right. And then in the NRL, let's let's get into that one, Scotty. The NRL south to the on Saturday night uh, up against the Bulldogs. Yep. Same time, seven thirty-five kickoff for those last week. Uh, in a away game, but we all know it's uh, could it's a home game as well. So it's one of those games where if you're a full season member, yeah, uh, right, yeah, which is fantastic. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. We've uh, we've lost a few this year with like Eels going back to Bank West and West Tigers going to Bank West. So we've lost a few. So it's good to still have it against Souths, which is nice. Which is a lot. I of look forward. I look forward to these games, and it's nice to get a game when you're not you shouldn't get as an away like for an away game to get your user uh-huh. membership card. Yeah. But anyway, let's look at the uh, the game coming up. Uh, the Bulldogs off a win, as like we spoke about the, against the West Tigers, and uh, South went down against Melbourne Storm. South are starting to slip down the ladder. It was not only for if Manly won on the weekend, they would have been in the four, and South could have been out. So. South's got plenty to play for to keep that top four position. The Bulldogs will line up this way on Saturday night at fullback Dallin with Telly Zalesiak, Nick Meddy on the wing with Remus Smith, Kieran Holland and Will Hopper White in the centres, Jack Cocker and Lachlan Lewis the halves, Tolman and Napa are the props, Leach is the hooker, second row Jackson, Corey, Hawira, Naira and Smith on the bench, Jeremy Marshall King, Renoff Tuamunga, Denny Falalo and Raymond Patella Mariner. The reserve list this week is Morgan Harper, Kieran Foran, who we are expecting to be a late inclusion into the into the team, Adam Elliott and Octahiki Ogden. 
So same seventeen who defeated the Tigers, but like you said, here forward is expected to be a late inclusion. But another fascinating for the other two of the other two players on the reserve bench is Ophi Gilman's not named in the New South Cup this week. And uh, Morgan Harper, for the first time in his career, has been put on the reserve list. Yeah, so it could just be um, a bit of uh, encouragement for Morgan Harper, the way he's playing a lot of ways. Uh, and after Higgy Ogden, just because he's not named in the reserve, it doesn't mean he won't drop back and be a late inclusion to that team as well. How do you see this game going, Scott? South first. Canterbury, how's it going to play out? You expect South, the station. The run. They should start using this game as maybe to play themselves back into form. If they can't, uh, all trouble for the season. It's almost like they're just making numbers in the finals. Uh, I would expect South to come out hard and fast uh, to try to put a lead on. But um, I think the Bulls might frustrate them a bit. And I reckon, I've, unfortunately, I reckon South might win between six to eight points at ANZ. Yeah, well, if South are a top four team like they are at the moment, this should be quite an easy game for them. They should really come out uh, on top of the Bulldogs quite easily. Um, and this could be the end of our winning streak, but they have been playing poorly lately. Sam Burgess back into the squad. Uh, he's played prop this week, so uh, hopefully Lachlan Lewis can get in front of him and frustrate the hell out of him again. Um, yeah, so that's if Lachlan Lewis retains his spot in the team. Uh, yeah, so... um. They, you can see South have made a, a little bit of tweaks in their team. Like, well, I mean, even last week they had John Sutton coming off the bench and stuff like that. So um, they're looking like to try to fight the right mix within their, their players. Uh, yeah, so if Lock Lewis does stay in the team, he might be put on Sam Burgess watch. <laughs> yeah, so I expect us to be able to frustrate South a little bit. But overall, I think the South team probably has uh, a better team uh, talent-wise and probably will come out on top of our club. This weekend in the NRL. But you got to uh, you also put in consideration the Bulldogs are full of confidence and South are maybe not, so they could play a little part in this game. That's right, but it's always a good game when South Sydney and Canterbury come up against each other. Uh, good rivalry has built since uh, the grand final victory to South. So make sure you're out at ANZ Stadium this week to catch the next instalment of that great battle. Okay, it's that time of the week that we like to have a little walk down memory lane and highlight a former player uh, in our Old Dog segment to have a chat about. Uh, who we got this week, Scott? Yeah, you know, I like to keep it in themes, themes, Matthew, and I've gone with Darren Britt. Played 277 NRL games, uh, 168 for the Bulldogs. He played a few for Western Suburbs before uh, before coming to the Bulldogs. He scored 12, uh, 12 NRL tries, 10 of them for the Bulldogs, obviously two for Western Suburbs. He played... Nine tests for Australia between 1998 and 2000. Three World Cup matches and one match for country in 2001. He also went on to St. Helens. He made 49 appearances for St. Helens. He captained our 98 grand final loss against Brisbane. Uh, some would say he was one of the best players never to play Origin. Interesting that he played nine games in three years, but only three of those were World Cup games. Yeah. That's, that's six games in three years. Probably six games in two years, if you think about it, uh, where he's played for Australia. So definitely a mainstay. That's a lot of test matches played by Australia in that period of time. Yeah, a lot of test matches. And uh, not even getting an origin game whilst doing it. He could even get the New South side in that year or something, or even the 99. 
Yeah, interesting. Uh, I'm just going to have a look more closely into those test matches. But he's played two games in 98, three games in 99, and then yeah. oh, so he's played a warm-up game against Papua New Guinea in 2000. He won. He's only lost once in, uh, in his test career. Dean uh, Britt, uh, I remember him as being an old-fashioned, no-nonsense forward, uh, mainstay of the Canterbury pack in the late 90s. Uh, he was the captain that he really led by example. Uh, gave our forward pack a real tough edge. Uh, I think opposition players uh, did coming up against Mr. Britt. Oh. Uh, well, I think someone, someone uh, summed him on on the Rugby League Project, which is uh, Kim Nolan says, the best thing to come out of Origins since the Mitchell Highway, one of the best prop forwards never to play State of, never to play State of Origin. You'd have to be, absolutely. Yeah. And then he um, had a short stint in St. Helens, and now we get his son next year. Yeah, very different type of player, though. Oh, very different type Back of player. Role, a bit of footwork. Dean Britt was very much a uh, run-it-straight son. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely the passion will be there. We saw photos, like I said, going on social media, of um, Darren and his sons which one of them was obviously Dean, wearing a Bulldogs jersey. Yep. So they would have got grown up going for the Bulldogs, so it would be a good moment when they uh, when he does get to make his debut for the Bulldogs next year for both Darren and Dean. Yeah, well, we're definitely so, yeah, so it's great to have that continuation happening at the moment at the Bulldogs. All right, Scotty, Rugby League World Time. It is that time, Rugby League World. We... We've got a few topics to talk about. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, Rugby League topics that aren't necessarily related to Bulldogs in Rugby League World. Well, they usually come back to us. Normally. Yes. We are a Bulldogs podcast, after all. So the one we've gone with first is the uh, strip rule. Is it time to change Trent Robinson after his win against the Raiders was uh, calling for this rule to be changed back to the old-fashioned rule for next year? Yeah, well... The old rule was that as soon as the second player came involved in the tackle, you couldn't strip it anymore. So it was automatically two in the tackle. These days, it's how many are in the tackle at the point of the strip. Uh, It's definitely harder now for the referees to call. Uh, I know uh, it is more interesting from a point of view of um, to be able to pull it off and change momentum while the other team's got the ball. It's been a great rule. in relation to that. Uh, but when you've got Trent Robertson coming out and then in the same press conference, Ricky Stewart, the opposition coach, both saying that uh, the rule's too hard to police from a referee's point of view and uh, it's not quite what a one-on-one strip is meant to be in rugby league and it's time to have a look at that. I don't, I don't know if I'm necessarily in favour of changing it back to the old rule, though. I wonder, though, the rule... My understanding was changed when for or well, changed for those ones where there's two players in the tackle and one falls off and the person strips it without knowing there's two in a like originally it was two in a tackle. Yeah, there have been a few over the years gone by where the person thought he was one on one or someone's grabbed the leg and he didn't realize there was another person they stripped it. And the teams have been working around the ruling and 
using a leap a loophole to uh, uh, look to do that. And funny enough, is the Raiders is probably the best team at it. I don't think there's any team better than the Raiders at doing the one-on-one strip where they call a word and two or three players jump out of a tackle for a one-on-one strip. So the, Raiders, the best the Raiders, at it, and the Raiders coach wants it to change. The Raiders have done it 23 times, but Josh yeah, Hodgson, Josh Hodgson has done it 11 times. Yeah, he's the best at it. The Raiders are the best at it, and yet they um, they're the ones who've mastered it almost. Yeah, and they're calling for change. I'd like I think to see. The, I'd like to see the real change to a, a new rule that's uh, similar to the old one, but it has the uh, has a a factor in there that if if it's because of it's a, a player with possession has broken through the original tackle and the original tackler has fallen off, then the second player in should have the right, if he wants, to strip the ball one-on-one. But we need to get rid of this four players in the tackle, special code word, everyone drops off and they just rip the ball out. Some people have been saying, oh, players with the ball just need to learn how to hold it. Uh, and hold it tighter and as soon as those players drop off why don't they hold the ball tighter it's within half a second though the players have dropped off and the ball's already gone the player player with the ball hasn't even had time to process that players have dropped off and the ball's already gone so he can't change change what his um, his uh, security over the ball but when you're in that position as well and you've got four people someone grabbing at a leg and you've got a few maybe the body on the side of you you're getting people from every direction hitting you. They get in there in enough time for a player to really get his arm underneath the ball. Yeah. So you've been hit and it, it kind of changes the way you run with the ball and it might open up a small gap. So because of that, it probably it makes it easier for the one-on-one still to happen. So I don't think you could hold it much tighter. And another, uh, well, Jeff Tuvey, I don't know if you watch Controversial Corner, but Jeff Tuvey was a fan of the rule and he said the players should hold it tighter. And you've already spoken why they shouldn't. Uh, oh, like why it's difficult in that situation. But um, will it get to a stage where players will get contact and if they get fear for a, uh, a strip that they'll just like drop to the ground with the players trying to use all their body weight to drag them down to call up to help? The other thing about this drill is that it actually, when they attempt to do this, the referees are actually allowing them more time to do it. So in a normal tackle, it might be two or three seconds after contact that it's called held and momentum is stopped. But when they, the three players come in, hit the player, two drop off and someone's trying to strip it, the momentum's already stopped and they've given another few seconds to try to rip the ball out where really it should have been held. But because they're ripping at the ball, they get extra time to tackle, which is not right either. A few of these strips should almost be, or should be penalties to the team with the ball for um, struggling to tackle player. But do you reckon you'll start seeing players who are fearful, maybe in the finals match where it comes closer towards the end of the game, just drop to the ground, just drop their legs and stop running? It's to uh, maybe get the horde cut. But that's if they can. they got three players holding them up. They're not going to be able to force it around. Well, uh, well, it depends on the size of the player. They'll be able to All right, let's move on. swing back and drop. Let's move on. It's Hall of Fame induction. Week it's happening tonight, Scotty. Three players have been announced, and two media personalities 
along with one administrator. There's uh, again the Hall of Fame a week. Oh, yeah, again, like it's good in uh, good inclusion. The gap between the mortals, there's been so many great players, not well, great regular league personalities, not, not recognized. And this Hall of Fame gives them the recognition they deserve. Yeah, uh, it's great to see uh, the Hall of Fame also being seen as a more of a uh, higher prize. It's being treated the way a Hall of Fame should be. Uh, since the relaunch last year and uh, the previous Hall of Fame that was sort of just a bit of lip service has gone and we're actually doing it correctly. So it's good to see as a sport that this is happening. Uh, from the players' point of view, Stacey Jones, Ruben Wickey, Diddy Badiris and Craig Young have been, will be inducted tonight. Mm. And uh, media personalities, Peter Frilliglos from Print Media. Uh, he worked for... Uh, News Limited, uh, Ray Warren, the uh, best broadcast the game has ever seen, and then JJ Gilton, the man who started the game way back in 1908. It's good to see they uh, uh, yeah, it's good to see they get recognised and all for their different contributions to the game. Uh, it feels sad that you can't really watch a Channel Nine game if you, people still do watch Channel Nine. Uh, it's not often that Rabs is there. Yeah, well, it, feels like it, it feels like you're watching a different channel. Uh, which is, so it's great to see him recognised for a wonderful career behind the mic. Uh, he, no one, I don't think, will come close to how good he is. Or was his prime. Uh, Peter Flindos is, is his like, second award, I suppose, because he's got an award at the Daily M's for the best story of the year. For the, yeah. the what made the best headline of the year, so he, it's That's my least favorite Daily M award. Yeah, it's not the best. How that Daily M award, to be honest. But he's been recognised twice. He's recognised by us, which is good. Yeah, well, he did. He actually died in the newsroom by a heart attack on the phone to former NRL CEO David Gallup at the time. So, and if you start look, looking at towards the players' point of view. Uh, see Denny Bideris, who played a number of games for Australia and Origin and his beloved Knights. Uh, yeah, he was the best hook I've ever seen until Cameron Smith. This is probably why he won't become an immortal. So I think Matty John says uh, that the best hooker ever was Billy Elias and then the best hooker ever was Steve Walters and then the best hooker ever was Denny Bideris. And then the best hooker ever was Kevin Smith, and it was all one after the other after the other. So then, how good is the next body player going to be? Yeah, he's going to be <laughs> the next amazing. Going to be amazing. <laughs> then you, um, Stacey Jones, arguably the greatest ever New Zealand football player to ever play. I think he's the most important football player to ever play for New Zealand. He really uh, started a trend in New Zealand that we're still seeing today that really put rugby league in the main media. People who didn't know what didn't know what rugby league was or maybe didn't support rugby league in New Zealand knew who Stacey Jones was. Yeah. That kind of uh, yes. yeah. kind of fame that he had in New Zealand and around the world because of his efforts. Uh, he was crafty little halfback, effortless. If you if you watch him, he looks like he's doing it effortlessly. Uh, incredible player. And uh, he gave rise to a lot of uh, rugby league in New Zealand. Uh, is now probably growing to be a, probably one of the 
biggest sport in New Zealand, outside of rugby union, of course. Uh, and that's all because of players like Stacey Jones and Ruben Wiki. Yes, yeah, so you touch on Ruben Wiki, but Stacey Jones would be like the first one of the first players that kids wanted to be like in the backyard. Absolutely. Well, rugby league uh, players. Sure, grew up idolizing Stacey Jones. And now it's gone to players like Roger Tuvasa-Shek, but he's the one who started with Stacey. And you got Ruben Wiki, the tough man who started at the Raiders playing a centre and ended up at prop. He yeah. excelled in all positions, prop, second row and centre. Ruben Wiki was a legend. Uh, I think he got into the Hall of Fame for his tackle on that streaker in the game. Yeah, that was a good thing. And if you've seen him recently, he still works with the Warriors. He's as fit as he ever, he ever looked. Yeah, he could probably play a game. I don't think he'd look out of place in the Second row, I reckon. Sorry? Probably go well in the second row these days. Yeah. All right, Scotty, we've talked about this topic before quite a bit, but late hits again. Has has the game gone too far or are they correct? I think they've gone way too far. Why? Why? I I even think the uh, Tiger sin bin wasn't a sin bin nor a penalty. Uh, I think... Disagree. Half if I think if a half one's not get hit, uh, don't take it to the line. No. So I think so. People are going to call me biased here, but Luke Gardner was an obvious sin bin. Uh, Smith wasn't even a penalty. I've watched both tackles again since the game. At the game, I'm so at the game. I missed the Luke Gardner tackle because I was following the ball. My eyes were following where the ball was. It wasn't until a referee stopped the game and the replay was shown uh, that Luke Gardner hit Lachlan Lewis late. So that's how late it was. Most, no, I both eyes have continued off the ball, continued. Since I've got home, I've looked at both tackles closely and slowed it down. If you look at it, uh, Luke Gardner comes flying out of the line. Uh, Lachlan Lewis passes the ball. There's a space. The ball is four metres away from Lachlan Lewis. Luke Gardner's eyes are not even on the ball. He's already made a decision that regardless of what happens, I'm going to smash this guy. And he's sitting right in the middle of the back without the ball. Obvious Silbin. Then you look at this one where uh, he's, he's, uh, not, he's come out of the line a little bit, but he's fading across the field. He's uh, tried to make a tackle on uh, Matheson, who's passed the ball. Uh, and because Smith's eyes are on the ball, he actually pulls out of the tackle just brushes past Matheson and continues on sliding out to the outside in uh, in his defensive formation. So that's that's the two differences in my book. One, a player's come out, hit a player in the middle of the back, not looking at the ball after he's passed it, and the ball is four metres away. The other one, Chris Smith has come up, gone to make the tackle, noticed the ball has been passed, let go, and it kept sliding and being part of the defensive one. Well, over the year, you would have seen Suasa Su did the hit on Cooper Cronk in the middle of the back. Yeah. And you, you would have uh, noticed that he was charged with that. He was penalised at the ground, uh, not to be sinbin or anything. He was charged with it, and he was able to fight the charge because he said he couldn't see the ball. Because Cronk turns his complete body to the defensive line. He said, what else is he meant to do? It was basically well, that... his argument. I can't remember. I can't remember that the details of that tackle, but the Luke Gardner one, he's already stopped looking at the ball while Lachlan Lewis is holding the I, ball in two hands. I think it's hard to... So Lachlan Lewis doesn't actually turn his back. Lachlan Lewis passes the ball, and in the motion of passing, he's shoulder turns. 
I think it's hard to keep an eye on the ball when a half t- well, when a player is turning the whole turning parts of their body to. But we've talked. So that's the thing. Lachlan Lewis doesn't turn his body. He holds the ball out in front of him. Gardner's already taken his eyes off the ball, thinking, "I'm just going to smash this half back." And then, in the motion of passing, his shoulders turn, which makes the illusion that he's turned his back. He's just passed the ball out wide. And then Luke Gardner, because he's not watching the ball out in front, doesn't know where it is and smashes it right in the middle of the back. Lachlan Lewis also wasn't deep in the defensive line. So you can't use the excuse that he's scooted out into the defensive line and been hit. Because Lachlan Lewis never scoots out towards the defensive line. No, he never takes the line on. He doesn't. So that's the big difference. After he came back from Sydney too, and I saw a few things that were very questionable in his defence too. After that, but so if you were just say someone like Cooper Cronk who always digs in very deep and turns his back, he actually turns his back completely in the defensive line. Would you say he's fair game for anyone to smash? Yeah, if he turns his back and he's holding the ball, of course you could hit him. Yeah, then why would okay, if that's the case and um, Suasu was was pinned for hitting him in the middle of the back when he turned his complete back and he couldn't see the ball. Uh, do you think that possibly the way Lachlan Lewis fell was similar to Cooper Cronk, the way they both fell, and they went both into the... Do you reckon that contributed to the referees noticing it? As in... I, I think the referees have gone too far, and that's why Smith's gone to the bin. And if you look at the footage of Smith going to the bin, they said, oh, there's one earlier, he went to the bin, so Smith's going to go to the bin, which is crap. These situations need to be taken case by case. But do you reckon, okay, someone... So we need to look at the case that uh, Ryan Matheson... So you're basically saying Ryan Matheson, like I said earlier, milked this whole thing. Yeah, I don't reckon he milked it for a penalty. He, he probably, thought there was a perfect opportunity to come back when he, well, he, knows, down the players. he knows. He knows the officials are looking at it, so he probably stayed down, yes. Do but I don't Lewis didn't milk it. But do that you reckon... Call, that call was almost instant. I was, I was surprised because I was hoping that we're going to score a try. The next minute, coaches will now start telling ball players to run to the line, turn their back, get hit, and then drop. And then, even if they're not hurt, just lay there? No. Because why not? It gives you a penalty and a sin bin. Because it's, um, it's not for the players running into the defensive line. It's for when they're playing half out the back and the players come out of the line and hit them. So it's up to the, it's the defence. It's the defence okay. that's changed. If you're so, if you don't want to be penalised for it, the coaches need to be telling the players to. Because um, if if Chris Smith is the example and that's guilty, then the defensive line needs to stay in the defensive line. They can't come rushing out. That stops potential on good big hits. Could do, but if that's the way the game wants to go, and like I said, I don't agree with the Smith one. But if that's the way it's going to go. The defensive line is going to have to react by staying in line and not coming flying out of the line. So just jogging up together. Yeah, that's keeping one line. So that way, that way, if the halfback does decide to run, he's running into a straight line that's waiting for it. It might also help defenses by not opening up a gap by coming screaming. Could help some players, yeah. Could be Dylan Lapa is a (laughs) pretty good example sometimes. So doing up, might they might enjoy this for, but uh, yeah, I, I well, don't you enjoy it, but the teammates won't. Yeah, I find it uh, a little bit too. They've gone a bit too far. I, I was actually happy with Lachlan Lewis's by Lugana. I was happy. I was surprised it was a penalty. As soon as I saw it, 
my as soon as I scored on the big screen, my initial reaction was ten. My hands went straight up. That was great. I saw it on the big screen. I thought, God, we're lucky to get a penalty. Then a sin bin followed with it, and I was like, Oh, it's even luckier. Uh, like I just explained, there were two very different tackles. And the Luke, no, Garner, no, no. Luke Garner's what? Luke Garner's tackle on Lachlan Lewis is a dog act. I don't think so. I think it was a fair shot. Right. So now that time on the show, we go to the listeners' topic, and uh, we've touched on this one a little bit earlier. But the Bulldogs' classy response after the West Tigers. Goal was missed by the backup goal kicker Paul Mamorowski. Matthew. Yeah, it was good to see Josh Jackson leave his team over there and pick up a, a young guy that was obviously devastated with uh, letting his team down or thinking that he let his team down, even though he scored two great tries, really, really <laughs> difficult tries too, the way he was holding that ball and getting it to the ground. Uh, that first, the first try scored early on for the West Tigers. I kind of gave up on that thing, thinking like we had so many numbers in the defence, and he just slipped underneath it, and he yeah. grounded it. Looked like so. He definitely kept him in the game. So yeah. uh, portion of his head held up high, but he also was the back goal kicker for the game. He hasn't. He was Moses Zembai was the, meant to be the goal kicker. Yeah, he was injured he was within the first eight minutes. But my, I know this goes a little bit off topic, but my question goes: Why isn't Benji putting his hand up for goal kicks? He was a goal kicker before leaving the West Tigers. We never know. Maybe Paul Bobrovsky was kicking better than Benji and trailing or something. But I find it a little bit hard to believe that there's... Uh, we know how, I suppose, how up and down Moses Zimbabwe's goal kicking is. He seems to struggle with the easier ones and look a little bit better on the harder ones. We know he's not the greatest goal kicker. I would, I would even say he's probably... If you had him as third or fourth as goal kicker, you've got some good goal kickers. But if he's your number two, you're struggling a little bit. Then you've had Isan Masters, who's had a poor year with goal kicking for the Tigers. I know it's got a little bit off topic. I don't know how Benji's not put his hand up to goal kick. Cause he was... Maybe he doesn't want the pressure. Maybe he's not as good as a goal kicker as he once was. Yeah, I suppose. But when it comes to a stage where they're going through like four different goal kickers, they're running out. If Because um... next week, they, they definitely could be going for a new goal kicker next week. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, Ben Battolino give it a crack. Maybe he's good. Uh, it'd be nice yeah. if uh, he's in the side. Well, they all kick at training. You know that. They all muck around and have a kick, so you never, never know. Um, Tim Brown was a goal kicker. <laughs> Bullseye. Bullseye Brown. But yeah, the classy response, I was more like Aidan Tolman when he cel- went to celebrate it. Tolman was yeah. excited. That was probably me at Ains at Stadium when the goal kick was missed. That's right. Well, I didn't notice that that uh, reaction by the Bulldogs actually happened because I was celebrating the victory in the stands. It wasn't until I got home and saw a, a tweet about it that uh, I saw what actually happened. Uh, it's good to see by the club there. I think uh, the other part of this that we haven't talked about yet was the way the, the Bulldogs' Twitter account handled the, their tweeting of the incident as well. Yeah. They were all fascinated. Keep his head up high and... Um... That they wish the West Tigers all the best where they have run to the finals. It's definitely not over for them. Um, they could probably, have, they can't probably, if they drop one more, it starts getting a bit scary. But uh, yes, it was a very uh, nice message done by the social media as well, and uh, got the fans on board. And then it made like a more of like a, it built like a, almost like a friendship between the two different fans when social media is being that nice to each other. 
That's right. Another positive topic for the well, another positive topic for the Bulldogs. We've actually won four of our last six games. The winners coming against the Sharks, Knights, Panthers, and Tigers. So uh, all top eight teams at the time. Uh, yeah. Great form heading into the the final rounds of the NRL. It is a great form, and guys, uh, Dallin Matenis Lesnia. I can tell you that the finals are still more. Than more. Yeah, I think he's. Well, yes. They've said, uh, I mean, if you listen to Taking Out, I've seen it all. They've said they've the Fox Sports Lab has been able to work out a way for the Bulldogs to make it, but relying heavily on other results to get to the finals. But um, again, last year they came off was a good end of the season for last year, the back ends of the rounds, and it looks like that this year is leading up to the same as the back end of the rounds. But the start is where we fall. Well, a bit disappointing. Just reading that out, I think we've actually had the podcast going for the last six weeks. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a good strike rate if we keep it going for that percentage. But um, we'll just give ourselves a pat on the back for <laughs> four of the wins this year. I wonder if you go back to the Melbourne Storm game, the first one at Melbourne. Yeah. And if you think of Reese Martin, you know. Kicks that goal, you know. We looked at the stack that uh, Melbourne scored their final try for a complete or was a knock on in the lead up on the yeah. and they scored off that. And then you look at even if you look at if Reese Martin did kick the goal on a very pressure kick on the sideline, not not great, not, not a shoe in goal kick, but if he did kick that goal, maybe that's a golden point, or if that call was picked up and the Bulldogs end up winning that game. Does our season change? I mean, it's another win, but does our season change anymore? Does it? Do we win another two more games on the back of that one? Because well, I feel yeah. like after that we're a little bit flat. It's one of those things. Yeah, but it's one of those, yeah. It's just good to see on the ladder. Flat. It's good to see on the ladder that we're second last, but we're on the same amount of points as the Dragons and the Cowboys again. So yeah, we're in that in that group of teams, and then we fell away from uh, the Dragons and the. Uh, the Cowboys uh, and Broncos and fell into the group of us and the Titans. Uh, so we us pull ourselves out of that and back back up towards Dragons and Cowboys time. If you looked at the um, Saturday results, with like you said, we pull ourselves there. Uh, Dragons beating the Gold Coast Titans and then us also winning. It probably means we. I mean, there's still the mathematical chance of coming last, but it requires the Titans to win three games at least. Because of the for and against difference, they're actually worse than us now. But it really puts them last. Like the if the Titans uh, did win on Saturday, it gave them a bit of a glimmer of hope to get off last. But they lost against the Dragons, and the same night the, the Bulldogs won. So, so yeah, not good stuff for the Titans. All right, I, I think we're not getting a spoon. I think I mean it has to be a miracle. That's right. All right, I think that's all for this week, hey Scotty. That's all, and we've delivered an earlier episode than last week. Last week, we're a bit late last week. We apologize again for that. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter at NRL Bulldogs fans, Instagram at NRL Bulldogs underscore fans. Hit the anchor link and send us an audio message if you like. Uh, email is also available. Thank you for listening. Bye. <laughs>